welcome and it's a pleasure to welcome you and also to welcome Wayne O'Leary who is here representing Slavic Gospel Association and I was just thinking Wayne spoke at our last in-person service a year ago before the first lockdown so I'm hoping you don't have a, a similar impact again Wayne I'm sure, sure it was nothing to do with you uh, you're very welcome and we look forward to hearing uh, from you again about what's going on in SGA and then from God's word also. And then just a reminder, as we give the reminder every week, at the end of the service when you're ready to leave, just please stand up and then move directly to the exit, keeping a two meter distance from others. And we are meeting again this evening. That's uh, online, 6 p.m., continuing to look at Matthew's gospel this time. Um, moving on further in Matthew chapter 25. I hope that you can join us for that and then there will be an online coffee time after uh, that evening service. And then in the week we have our online uh, prayer time Thursday at 7.45 and if you don't have a link for that you could see Steve. If you haven't joined in before you could try it this week and um, join us for that. One of the purposes of our meeting together for worship is to remind each other of what we believe. It's what the Bible calls us to do when we meet together, not only to direct our praise and thanks upwards to God, but also to speak to one another, uh, mostly in song, but also uh, in just spoken words. And we're going to begin by doing that now as we say the Apostles' Creed together, a summary of what Christians believe that the church has been using since its very early days. And then immediately after we've said that together, the musicians will lead us in a song. But if you'll stand with me, we'll join in saying the Apostles' Creed.
God, we thank you for this truth that in every storm you are the one firm and fixed anchor. We thank you that even if everything else gets swept away, you remain. You will not let go of us. As we think of things being swept away, we think today of mothers and the vital role of mothers in our society. And we bring to you this morning our concerns about the transgender lobby's attempts to wipe motherhood off the statute books, insisting that we no longer speak about mothers giving birth and instead speak about persons giving birth. We thank you that so far Parliament has not approved that move, but we know there will be more efforts made to eradicate even the idea of motherhood, to undermine the unique role that mothers play. And so we pray for your mercy on our society. We pray for sanity to prevail and for mothers to be supported by our government and society rather than undermined. 
and undervalued. We thank you for all the mothers in our church fellowship and for those who fulfill the role of a mother in someone's life. Will you remind them today of the great value in what they do? Will you remind them how much you value motherhood? You created it and you, our Father in heaven, even compare yourself to a mother in the way you care for your people. So we ask that you will encourage and lift up our mothers today. Help those who are under pressure. Sustain them. Help them to persevere. Help those of us who are husbands, those of us who are sons and daughters, to make the work of our mothers and our wives a joy and not a burden. And as we pray in support of mothers and in praise of mothers, we also pray for children, particularly those with disabilities. We pray for the Northern Irish Assembly as they vote tomorrow on whether to stop abortion up to birth for children with disabilities, including Down syndrome, cleft lip and club foot. We pray that the Northern Irish MLAs will show respect for life, for children created in your image, whatever disability they might have. We pray for mothers who are under pressure to abort disabled babies, even those with cosmetic disabilities. Father, will you give them courage to withstand that pressure? And also, will you give them the practical support they need to raise their child? As we hear from Wayne this morning about the work of Slavic Gospel Association, and as he speaks also from your word, will you speak to us? Through Wayne, as he presents us with the the work, the challenges, and the encouragements of SGA and their work. And from your word also, will you teach us, rebuke us, correct us, and train us in righteousness so that we might be more like you, our Father in heaven. Amen. We and I'll invite you to come now. I'll hand over the rest of the service to you, first of all, to give a report and then to preach to us a little bit later. Thank you. Well, good morning. It's lovely to be with you, and it's nice to be in the presence of people and not in the presence of a screen. It's just so refreshing to be to get out and see you. So I bring you greetings from, from SGA and all the team at SGA, 
And a big thank you for your prayers and your support this year. And uh, thank you for allowing me to, to come and share something of what's going on. Despite COVID and all the other bits and pieces that are going on, the gospel work continues and there are some exciting things going on throughout Eastern Europe, Central Asia and in other places that SGA serves. Now if you see me glancing over here from time to time, I, I haven't got a nervous twitch for, for being here. Um, I'm, I'm just having a little glance at the screen here. I forgot to say hello to everybody at home, so I'm just going to give you a wave to the camera here and acknowledge that I uh, wish you could be with you here today uh, with us in the church as well. But if you're having your cornflakes or you've still got your dressing gown on, never mind, I can't see that. But you're, you're welcome here. So the gospel work continues. Um, do have a look on SGA's website. There's lots of new things being added on there uh, all the time. Uh, you can sign up to a personal copy of Breakthrough if you don't get that personally. And there are lots of books and bits and pieces you can have a look at and order. There's also something called Inside Story. So every month there'll be short little snippets from different things happening around the world that will come straight to your mobile phone, your inbox or whatever. So you can go on the SGA website and, and sign up for that. It's really fantastic. I don't know about you, but since all this Zoom stuff has started, my eyes feel like they're popping out. But we, we, we seem to be getting overloaded with information, don't we? And, um, you know, if I was still at my church as a, as a pastor, I would probably dread the missionary speaker coming at the moment, thinking, we've just got so much to think about, we don't need anything else. Well, there's little snippets online if you care to, to sign up for that, and that can come straight to your mobile phone. Next Saturday, I think it's next Saturday, don't know what I'm doing, I've moved, moved house for my daughter and had my mother-in-law's funeral all in one go this week, so it's been a bit of a funny week. Um, but, yes, that's next Saturday, isn't it, the 20th? Good. I'm glad I've got something here going on. Um, there's an online conference with SGA just for an hour. You can find that, the details for that on, on uh, the SGA website. Or if you Google uh, Slavic Gospel Association UK uh, on YouTube, it will come up on there. The gospel work continues. And one of the things that SGA has been good at for, for many, many years is supporting gospel-orientated leaders right across Eastern Europe, Central Asia, and in other places. One of the things that I love about SGA, I love lots of things about SGA, otherwise I wouldn't be with them, um, but it is a good mission because we don't tell people what to do. Very often they're already doing a fantastic job, but what they do need is just a little bit of support and encouragement from time to time. So good, good leaders are gospel leaders, good leaders uh, uh, involve a good gospel teaching, and good results are gospel results, and the good work continues, the gospel works. So I want to go through that a little bit this morning and just share with you some of the things that are are continuing to go on. Good leaders are gospel leaders. Well, we can't physically get out to places um, at the moment. This last week, I've been doing some teaching online to some students in Ukraine. I've been having quite a few breakfasts with pastors in Romania and Poland and other places, and that's been a lot of fun uh, on Zoom. Sometimes they might not be able to speak English, so you have to make arrangements so their teenage son or teenage daughter sits with them and you could, it's really fun because the teenage daughter or son's always going like this and saying, you should know that word, Dad. Why can't you understand him? And so that's been a fantastic thing as well. Good leaders uh, need encouragement, they need support, they need prayer, and they need training. And these are some of the things that SGA specializes in. Just to give you some examples, and we, we could be here all day talking about some really good leaders across Eastern Europe and Central Asia. One of them is this guy here, Bremer Sawanta. He's in the northern part of Romania. His church planted a new church on the edge of a rubbish dump 
outside the city. And people were actually living in the context of that, that rubbish dump. It's, it's a really awful place. Um, and yet they, they built a church, and here's the church today. And there have been some very, very interesting things going on and continue to go on. But obviously it's really difficult during COVID time to try and keep people separated and to be able to wear masks and all the PPE kind of stuff, especially when they, they can't afford it. For most of us, PPE is relatively affordable, isn't it, if we're, if we're honest, we, we, and we've got quite a bit accessible, but in many places where SGA serves, that's just not the case. Another pastor that SGA supports is Mark Sipos in Hungary, and uh, his church is quite the opposite. So if we go back, we, we've got a church that meets, meets on the edge of the rubbish dump with people who find it difficult to read or write or to get accepted in society. When we come to Mark Sipos in Hungary, his church was started off by planting alongside a university. And as time went on, university graduates and members of staff became believers, and this is the church today. Isn't it great how different leaders specialize in different areas? So you've got Ramos, who specializes amongst the gypsy community in the north and Romania. Then you've got Mark Sipos, who, who specializes in reaching out to academics. We need both, don't we? We need people who are going to help me. I'm a bit of a numpty. And then we need people who are going to help clever people, like your, your pastor. And, and most of you, by the looks of things, because you look like clever people. So we thank God that there are people who specialize in certain areas of society and reach out to different groups of people. And here's some of the Bible students in, in Hungary at one of the SGA mission schools. If you come to this church, and once you become a believer, you're automatically put through the Bible school because one day you might end up in a place in the world where there isn't a church, so you can plant one. Or one day you might end up in a place in Hungary where a local church needs a bit more support. So you haven't just got good key worldly skills like science and computers and things like that, but you can also benefit a local church and be a better Christian at the same time. Hungary is a very Catholic country. And I, I took this photograph because it, it kind of emphasizes the point. I don't know if you can see this, but who's bigger, Christ or Mary? Mary's a lot bigger, isn't she? And so the whole emphasis is, is, is placed on Mary. So that's a difficult context to, to be brought up in, in in a country like Hungary where, where the emphasis is, is placed on, on Mary and to be an evangelical believer. Another pastor that um, SGA supports is Gohochi. He's a pastor, pastor, or he's a shepherd, shepherd, because he's a shepherd to people, but he's also a shepherd to sheep. So during the daytime, he looks after sheep, and then during the rest of his time, he, he pastors a church. And this, this guy is just absolutely incredible. Here's his family. They're not wealthy. They're really poor. And so that's one of the reasons why SGA uh, supports them. And if I'm ever in the vicinity where Gehochi and his family live, then I'll, I'll go and visit them and have a cup of tea with them and spend some time with them. But this, this guy's amazing. He will go out into the villages where people are really poor, uh, don't know the gospel, they're, they're shunned by society. Here's some of those people. And he preaches to them. And people are responding to the gospel through this poor, humble man. And he doesn't even own his own sheep. He looks after other people's sheep. But he's a strong believer and so I call him the shepherd shepherd because he's a shepherd to the sheep, but he's also a shepherd to people as well. And here's some other people that he shepherds. And uh, this man who's, who's lost his wife, and this is his son. Who will tell them about Jesus? Well, I couldn't tell them about Jesus. The academic guy in Hungary, he couldn't tell them about Jesus. Pastor Ramos in the northern counties of Romania couldn't tell them about Jesus because he's busy doing that. And so Kahochi is reaching out people that nobody else 
can reach, and it's absolutely fantastic to see. Will they get a vaccine? Have you had your call yet? I, I had a text yesterday saying I'm next in line for a, a vaccine, so I'm getting happy about that, excited about that. But in some parts of Eastern Europe and Central Asia, some countries cannot afford a vaccine. So, for example, Moldova has no access to a vaccine. It can barely afford PPE. It can barely afford testing kits. A testing kit, for example, in Moldova costs about 40 euros. Now, when you think that the average pension for an elderly person is about 38 euros a month, a testing kit costs 40. That's out of, out of pocket for, for a lot of people, and they've got no access to a vaccine. So it would be good to pester the government and see if they can do something about that, wouldn't it? So will they get a vaccine? Well, we need to pray for these people. Um, SGA is also supporting uh, church planters in Far East Russia. You can find more details about that online. It's an exciting venture. Uh, men have, have, have taken their uh, families to the far eastern parts of, of Russia. Some of these places get really, really cold, like minus 40 and minus 50. <clears throat> I mean, I enjoy going visiting to places when they're hot. I don't fancy minus 40, especially not having much hair. But do pray for the work in Far East Russia. People literally have never, ever heard the gospel. I mean, I don't know how far you would have to walk to find a church like this if this church didn't exist. Would, would it be more than 10 miles? Hello? You could, you, yes? No? No? Could you find another church in less than 10 miles? Yep, yep, thank you. Good to see you. You're still awake, and if you're nodding at home, I think I can see you through the little camera there. Well, can you imagine having to walk over 1,000 miles or 2,000 miles? or 5,000 miles just to find a church because there isn't one. And so these are very, very remote places. Last year, SGA celebrated its 70th anniversary. We're, we're continuing that over to this year and probably next year as well because we, we can't get out and about so much and bring up-to-date uh, needs and things. Good teaching is gospel teaching. Um, I'm sure glad that people taught me before I became a pastor many, many years ago. I, I'm privileged to have been able to go to a good Bible school in the UK. But in some places in Eastern Europe and Central Asia, they just don't have that access. And so I want to talk through just a couple of places that SGA is, is supporting and why it's important to support um, good, strong biblical education. One of the places is the Evangelical Seminary in Odessa in the Ukraine, just on the edge of the war zone there. It's not on our news, but that conflict still continues and people are, are, are finding things very, very difficult there. This is the Evangelical Seminary in the Ukraine. Uh, here's some of the men training to be church planters. And uh, here's some of the students in the classroom. It's a really nice classroom. And uh, here's some of the ladies or the wives of, of the husbands who, who are also training to do children's work and, and, and other ministries like that. Now, it's interesting that one of the advantages this particular Bible school has is because it's in a Russian-controlled part of the Ukraine. These people have access to parts of Russia that nobody else has. So, for example, I wouldn't better get into Russia. A Romanian wouldn't better get into Russia. A Hungarian wouldn't better get into Russia. But these people, because they're now part of the Russian-controlled part of Ukraine, have access to Russia. And so they're already getting geared up to plant churches in Russia. I mean, this is why we, we, we have to have a strong belief in the sovereignty of God. When things get bad and when it looks like things are falling apart... Things never fall apart for God. 
He can always use things for his advantage, no matter what situations we face in this world. And you know, every time the devil tries to stop something or cause an issue, he just ends up shooting himself in the foot. And I tell you what, if he's, if he's got a foot, what's left of it, he must have shot it several thousand times by now. Because fancy trying to stop a country for, for doing things for the Lord, and all you've done is open another country to go and plant churches. It's just extraordinary. And the Bible school in Kiev, this is in the free part of the Ukraine. I was teaching there, as I said, just, just last week. Uh, this is a fantastic place. This is one of the directors of the school. He was actually a pastor in the war zone and got booted out by, by um, uh, Russians and uh, ended up in the free part of the Ukraine. And he's involved with a church planting ministry and planting churches in the free part of the Ukraine. It's just absolutely incredible. When you, when you see some of these men, there was th- th- their desire to serve God, no matter what happens to them, doesn't matter if they lose homes or family, that they're still concerned about reaching the lost. Uh, I, I can't honestly say that I've got that kind of attitude at the moment. Um, but here's, here's one of the churches that he's, he's helped support and plant. Uh, these are some of the, the students in, in the Bible school in Kiev. And uh, you probably can't see this map very well, but there is a black line going across. And what I did is I put a map down and I said to the students, tell me on this map where you're serving. And some of them said, we, we don't want to because it's, it's a difficult area. And so there are some students who I've just shown your, the photograph to you, and they're, they're on the war zone side of things, but they don't want to actually show where it is. And after this service, I'm going home to my wife and my little dog, and my cozy little home in the Cotswolds, or Tewkesbury-on-Sea, we call it these, these days because we get so many floods. Um, but I don't face the things that people overseas face. I have a comfortable lifestyle by comparison. And the reason why I'm here today is, is will we, you we please remember your, your brothers and sisters and those who are seeking to promote the gospel in, in difficult lands. It's, it's really, really difficult for them. Parts of the Ukraine are really open for the gospel. And uh, I went out with some of them to do some street work and people stopped. They wanted to talk about God. It was absolutely extraordinary. I mean, this, this was just before lockdown. Um, if I did that where I live, I would probably get asked to be moved along by a local shopkeeper or, or something like that, or somebody would cause a, a, cause a problem. But in, in Kiev, people were actually really open to talk about God, and it was very exciting to see. Um, Emmanuel University in Romania is a Christian university. This guy is one of the members of the House of Lords, and uh, he's visited it. He knows all about it, and he said, this is a significant university, not just for Romania, but for the whole of the area. Now, this is a Christian university. And for a major politician in the UK to, to recognize it and say that this is a significant contribution to Romania and the surrounding area. Well, this is Emmanuel University, and it's an absolutely fantastic Christian university. It's fully accredited and recognized by the government of Romania as being a school of excellence. Now, if you go there, you can study pastoral studies. Or you can study music, you can study medicine, you can study um, computers. I'm just trying to think, there's, there's a whole business studies. Because they've realized we, we need to train pastors and church planters and missionaries, but we need good, strong Christians in key places in the workplaces. And so we need Christian doctors and nurses, we need Christian IT specialists, we need Christians who are businessmen in Romania to, to get that country going. And this, this university isn't trying to play catch-up with what's needed in its society. 
it's actually leading the way. It's extraordinary when you think that this used to be a communist country and the gospel was suppressed. And now you have a Christian university that is, is leading the way and recognized by people as being a center of excellence. I don't know about you, but I think that's a miracle. And, you know, sometimes people say, let's give the Lord a round of applause. That's not enough. I'm not sure what we can do to say thank you to God for doing this in our lifetime. This isn't talking about a revival in the past. We need a revival now, but this is what's happening now in our lifetime, that Christians are getting together and making a difference in their, in their countries. Here's some of the students that I was uh, privileged to teach, and they, they were a really lovely bunch. So we, we've, we've looked at a Bible school in Ukraine that can send church planters out to Russia. We've got that Christian university in Romania that's specializing in getting strong believers out into their country. And now we come to somewhere like Kazakhstan, and there's a brilliant Bible school there, but this is in an Islamic context. Now, Islam varies from place to place around the world, but in many of the stand countries, it's a very, very difficult place to be a believer. And you need an awful lot of wisdom to be a believer and to stay a believer in some of these places because the pressure on you and your family is absolutely immense. So this is an amazing facility. Here's uh, some of the students. These were uh, some Sunday school teachers uh, in some parts of the stand countries. Before you're allowed to be a Sunday school teacher, you've got to go to Bible school. Make sure your doctrine's right. And I'm not sure what would happen in the UK, but uh, I think that's a good idea. Know your Bible in order to be able to teach it well. Here's some men that I was teaching, and we're able to go up into the mountains one afternoon and have some fellowship together. Now, here's a bit of a strange picture, isn't it? But one evening when I wasn't teaching, my translator, the lady at the bottom there, she said, will you go and speak in a church youth meeting tonight? And I said, yeah, I'd love to. So it was a fantastic opportunity to meet some teenagers in an Islamic country context, much like you guys over here, and maybe some of you watching up home and they were just so hungry to listen to the Bible and then at the end of it I, I said to my translator will you take a group photograph and she said yeah sure it was only when I got home I, I realized she'd done a bit of a silly on me see wherever we go in the world believers are exactly the same and that's why I feel so at home we're going overseas because they're just as silly as I am so do do pray for people overseas this is a church in one of the stand countries and as soon as they finish they don't go out and get a cup of tea straight away they pause and people will sit and reflect and ask God to touch their hearts. Well, there's lots of other things I could show you. Uh, there are also mission schools in rural areas, like, like this one in Bulgaria. Uh, this one's in Serbia. There are people here who are ex-drug addicts and people with all sorts of difficulties who are going through the Bible school and strengthening their faith. Um, it's, it's a really exciting time. Here's a, a Bible school in Moldova. Do pray for Moldova, as I said. It's the poorest country in Europe. It doesn't belong to Russia. It doesn't belong to the EU. And it's just stagnated financially as a country. And it's just got no access to anything at the moment. Good results are gospel results. At the end of the day, SGA exists to serve local believers overseas that they would reach their people for Christ. And you're part of that. You may never get the opportunity to go and see these people and meet them. But through your prayers and your support, your your Sending people like me to go and encourage them and support them, whether that's financially or through teaching or in other means. So thank you from the bottom of my heart this morning for supporting us at SGA. The gospel work continues despite COVID. Well, I'm going to hand over to the boss.
Mr. Smiley, I think the next song is You're the Word of God, Our Father. Is that right? Okay, if I leave that there. If you have your Bibles with you this morning, perhaps you'd like to turn to Psalm 46. Psalm 46. And 
let's just commit this time to the Lord while we just meet around his word. Father, in these difficult days in which we live, we thank you for your word. We thank you how it nurtures us and refreshes us and strengthens us. And we would just ask that as we put our toes in the water this morning, that you would refresh us. In Jesus' name. Amen. Psalm 46 says, and remember this is a conflict psalm. It's written on the day of conflict. And uh, we, we've certainly had plenty of those for a little while now, haven't we? We've, we've, we've certainly had a few days of conflict over the last year or so. God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in time of trouble. Therefore we will not fear, though the earth should change, and though the mountains slip into the heart of the sea, though its waters roar and foam, though the mountains quake at swelling pride. There is a river whose streams make glad the city of God, the holy places of the Most High God. God is in the midst of her, she will not be moved. God will help her when the morning dawns. The nations made an uproar, the kingdoms tottered. He raised his voice, the earth melted. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our stronghold. Come, behold the works of the Lord, who has wrought desolations in the earth. He makes wars to cease to the ends of the earth. He breaks the bow and cuts the spear in two. He burns the chariot with fire. Cease striving and know that I am God. I will be exalted in the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our stronghold. Over the last 12 months, the pandemic has highlighted all sorts of issues. It's highlighted the frailty of man. It's highlighted the inability of man, and I probably should say women and whatever else is, is out there. It's probably not correct to say that either, but never mind, I've done it now. It, it shows our inability to be able to cope when life goes wrong, especially at a global area. It shows us that none of us are in control. None of us really know what we're doing. One of the politicians on the radio the other day was being interviewed and the interviewer said, isn't the government just making this up as they go along? And it was quite a clever response and the guy said, uh, yes, they are, but that's what we have to do because we've never been here before. We have to make it up as we go along. Isn't it good to know that God, the ruler of the heavens and the universe, doesn't make things up as he goes along? He is always in control. He is always our refuge and our strength. Psalm 103 verse 14 says this, He knows our frame. He is mindful that we are but dust. Over and over again on our TV screens, on our computers, on our phones, whatever you use, it's shown us over the last 12 months that we are but dust. We are not in control of anything. Isn't it a shame that the nations don't turn their face towards God instead of turning their backs to God? God is always bigger than whatever crisis we face personally or whatever crisis we see in the world around us. How do I know that God is bigger than all of this? Well, the Bible tells me so. 
There's one little passage in Genesis 1, verse 16. And it says this. It's just like a a verse we, we read over and then we don't think about it. It says, He made the stars also. He made the stars also. Now just stay with me while we try and do some maths here for a moment. Many, many years ago, um, 1985, somewhere like that, most of you probably weren't born by then, Um, I I was a student, I was studying marine science, naval architecture, and uh, I had a motorbike and I had a massive telescope. And I used to go out at two or three in the morning to to the end of a a, a bit of coastline because I was studying down in Cornwall doing marine science and things. And I had this massive telescope strapped to me back on my motorbike going down like this, past Falmouth and towards the Lizard Point and things like that. And there was one evening or one early morning I got stopped by the police. And they asked to see my driving license and with a name like O'Leary during the 1980s, that spelled all sorts of trouble. And they said, what are you doing with a rocket launcher? I said, this isn't a rocket launcher, I'm going to see the stars. And they said, oh, well, come with you then. So we, we put it up, and the, the, this guy was looking through, focusing, and, and he said, it's just full of dust, I can't see anything. I said, no, that's not dust, that's stars. It looks like dust because there are so many up there. Now, there's one star in our universe called Canis Majoris. Now, you won't be able to visit it because it would take you thousands of years to travel at the speed of light just to visit it. Now, this star, Canis Majoris, is absolutely massive. If you were to fly around the world just once, it would take you 53 hours. Okay, so planet Earth, flying, stay with me, I haven't lost the plot. Okay, there is a point to where I'm going with this, if I can remember where I'm going with this. If you fly around the Earth once, In a jumbo jet, it will take you 53 hours. If you were able in that same jumbo jet to fly around this star called Canis Majoris just once, it would take you 1,100 years. Did you hear that? 1,100 years to fly around it once in a jumbo jet. God is always bigger than the crisis that we face. He will always be bigger He will always be brighter than the biggest star. He is so awesome. The Bible just says, oh, by the way, don't forget, he made the stars also. You know, I'm never going to be able to visit Canis Majoris. I'm never going to have enough time in my life to fly around it just once. So why do I worry about that? What I'm trying to say is so often we worry about things that are just a waste of time. He is in control. I've left it a little bit late to become an astronaut. I've left it a little bit late to become a brain surgeon. Most people who know me are pretty pleased that I'm not a brain surgeon. So why do I worry about the little things in life where in the big perspective of the universe and how big God is, it's nothing. COVID is a big issue for us. He made the stars also. God is always bigger. You know, I I love that passage in the Bible when it says he has removed our sins as far as the east is from the west. How how, how big's that? We can't really be able to compute these things. Let's come back to Psalm 46 with that in mind, that God is always bigger than the conflict that we face. He will always be bigger, and we are surrounded by permanent reminders that he is always bigger. God is our refuge, a very present help in times of trouble. Verse 2, 
Though we will, not, we will not fear, though the earth should change. This last year, it feels like those things that have been established in society for so long are like these mountains in verse 2 that are crumbling and slipping into sea. We don't just see that politically, but we see it medically. We, we, we see it with the way that marriage is held up. There are, there are so many things that have been established and firm and recognized in society, and they're just disappearing. And the psalmist says, we won't worry about that because God is our refuge. Oh, by the way, don't forget, he made the stars also. And he goes on in verse 3, and he says, though the waters roar and foam. I love that hymn, uh, We Your Anchor Hold in the Storms of Life. I was a young man when I first Sung, sang that song and I was on a yacht sailing around the Bay of Biscay in a storm and I was absolutely petrified and I thought well I need to worship God and there were just two songs that came to mind and for those in peril on the sea and we were in cold in the storms of life and I was trying to whistle those through you know when the water is rough it, it foams it's aggressive and all, all the dirt and all the vileness from the bottom of the ocean is stirred up and cast onto the beach and everything that has been thrown away and all the dirt of humanity is brought up onto the beach. Though the waters roar and foam. It's just like society is going through a storm and all its dirt and perversity is being thrown up onto the beach. God is my refuge and my strength. Oh, by the way, don't forget, he made the stars also. He's bigger when we feel besieged. Verses 4 to 7 talks about being besieged because it says, There is a river whose streams make glad the city of God, and God is in the midst of her. And it, in verse 6 it talks about the, the, the nations making an uproar. It's being hemmed in. It's being held in tight. But I love the part when it says, He just raised his voice. Um, I remember when I was a kid, my, my dad was a, pastor and my brother and I used to sit in the balcony it was a really old Baptist church and uh, we used to throw marbles across the hymn book rest and people would look up into the balcony thinking what's that noise and we were throwing these marbles backwards and forwards and my dad would be in the pulpit in full full swing of everything and then he would just say boys and that was enough he didn't need to say any more God raised his voice what is it like when God raises his voice? The Bible shows us. Let there be light. Well, I wasn't around when God said that, but I can't begin to imagine what that was like. Let there be light. Or when Jesus, when he walked around, be quiet and come out of him, he said to the man who was possessed. To the leper, he said, I am willing, be cleansed. To Matthew, the disciple, he said, follow me. To a dead young man, he told to arise. To the blind, he said, receive your sight. To Lazarus, he said, come, formed, come forth. To the storm, he said, be still. To the sinner, he said, go and sin no more. To his disciples, he said, I am the resurrection and the life. To those who were crucifying him, he said, Father, forgive them, they don't know what they do. To the thief on the cross, he said, this day you will be with me in paradise. As Jesus died on the cross, he said, it is finished. To his disciples, he said, I will build my church. Let there be light. 
God spoke and it was so. If we had time to go from Genesis to Revelation just to see what happens when God speaks, it is absolutely awesome. It's like having a whole new conversion process all over again for me this week as I've been thinking about Sunday, just to think about what happens when God speaks. He raised his voice. The nations made an uproar. The kingdoms tottered. He raised his voice. The Lord of hosts is with us. He is always bigger. Verses 8 to 11, he's with us in the day of battle. And there's an invitation in verse 8, come, come and see what God is doing. Come, behold the works of the Lord. This is why it's important to have a look in your communities, in your neighborhood, in your church, overseas, because there's always an invitation, because God is always doing something. Come and see what God is doing. It says, come behold the works of the Lord. He's wrought desolations in the earth. Verse 9, he makes wars to cease to the ends of the earth. He breaks the bow and cuts the spear in two. He burns the chariot with fire. The weapons of war for the Old Testament people. First of all, he says this, he breaks the bow. Now, I don't know an awful lot about Old Testament warfare, but I know if you have a bow and arrow and you break the bow, the bow is completely useless. It takes the strength and the direction out of the bow when it's broken. You can't fix it with a bit of Gorilla Glue and a bit of duct tape and think, there we go, try again. It's wrecked. It's lost its strength and it's lost its accuracy. And this is why the Word of God says, whatever is being aimed at you will be rendered useless. The next thing he talks about, the spear. He cuts the spear in two. I I was always pretty hopeless at athletics when I was at school. And I remember trying to throw the javelin. And it slipped out of my hand and went backwards and nearly hit the teacher. And he just said, O'Leary, if there was an award for going backwards, you would be top of the class. There we go. But I know that if you cut the spear in two and then try and repair it, if you throw it at something, it's going to miss it. It's going to veer off. You've created a bias so it can't hit its intended target. Whatever is aimed at you, whatever is thrown at you, is going to miss the intended target according to God's word. Then he says, he burns the chariot with fire. Some of the surrounding nations around Israel were excellent chariot makers, especially the Philistines. They had all sorts of chariots that could come really, really fast. And during ancient warfare, they could tell what kind of weapon was coming towards them by the type of dust cloud that was stirring up. So if there was battalions of foot soldiers coming towards them, then there'll be clouds of dust just kind of so high. So they'll be looking out for a cloud of dust so high. If the soldiers were running towards them, then they would see higher clouds of dust. If the war chariot was coming towards them, they would see swirls of dust in the distance. And that would be enough to strike fear into their hearts that they would almost be paralyzed. They would know that as the war chariot is coming towards them, there is nothing they can do. What does God say? He will burn the chariots with fire. Nothing but ash. God is always bigger than the battle that you're facing. Oh, don't forget, he made the stars also. 
Verse 10. I love this verse. Cease striving and know that I'm God. Or in some translations, it, it, it will say, be still and know that I'm God. That the Hebrew is about striving with your own efforts to get, to get the day of conflict done. And it reminded me of when I was learning traditional boat building down in, in Falmouth many years ago. Now, if you're a woody kind of person or a, a, a carpenter, you'll, you'll know what this is. This is a, a spoke shave. And I, I remember, you'll, you'll see where I'm going with this, I promise. Um, I remember learning how to use one of these. And uh, I would grip it, and I was really tight, and I'd be trying to shave the wood like this. And the lecturer would come along, and he says, stop striving with the tool. You're making a mess of it. And he would put his arms around me and grab hold of my wrists. And he said, let go. Just, just be still. Release it. Release it. You're too tight. You're striving with it. Relax and know that I can do it with you. That's what he said. So I started using it, and it was like ballet. Not that I'm a ballerina or anything like that. And I thought, oh, look at this. I can do this now. I'm not striving with it. I'm just relaxing with it. And then I looked at what I had done, and I said to the lecturer, look what I've done. And he said, no, you didn't do that. I did that through you. Now, it's interesting that the psalmist picks up this similar kind of theme in verse 10 when he says, cease striving and let God. It, isn't it interesting how the day of conflict with the battles that we face make us feel so uptight and tense and stressed out? And, and like the jobs we need to do for ordinary life, whether it's raising kids or taking the dog out or, or whatever we need to do, we're, we're so uptight and tense and God's word says, let go and know that I am God. Now this know that I am God is not a head knowledge. It's not a cerebral knowledge. It, the word is yada in the Hebrew. And if we go to Genesis where Adam and Eve met for the first time and they came together physically for the first time and in Genesis it says Adam knew Eve. Now he didn't say let's sit down and have a chat. Tell me all about yourself. He got so close to her and so personal to her that he couldn't get any closer to her. It's a beautiful intimate word. And the psalmist uses this with our relationship with God. In other words, let go, experience God. Let go, get close to God. Cease striving and experience who I am. Oh, don't forget, he made the stars also. He is always bigger than the situations we face. And he says, I will be exalted in the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. I don't know if the psalmist could possibly imagine that one day the whole globe would be singing the glories of the Lord on a Sunday. And as we finish singing the glories of the Lord, there will be another nation moving around on the earth, apparently. That's how it works. And they will start worshipping the Lord. I will be exalted among the nations. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our stronghold. Reminding us of the covenant-keeping nature of God. Well, dear friends, I would encourage you just to have a little look at that psalm. And may it bless you in whatever circumstances that you face today, either individually or as a church. And uh, I'm going to say it one more time. Don't forget... He made the stars also. He's bigger, greater, more powerful than you think. 
And this big star that would take 1,100 years to fly around just once, you know, if, if it were possible that God just stood next to that big star, the brilliance of God, you wouldn't see that star. It would seem insignificant by comparison to the brilliance and the glory of God. Why? Because he's the creator. He's always bigger, more beautiful, more gracious, more than you ever expect. We're going to sing our next hymn, which is King of the Universe. Just 
Father, we thank you for the time that we've had this morning, whether we've been physically here or in our homes. We would just pray that you would touch us afresh with your Holy Spirit, that we would be deeply moved and encouraged by you this week. Something of the reality of who you are would come afresh upon each one of us. And as the psalmist says, just be still and experience me. Just pray, Lord, that will be true for each one of us this week. In Jesus' name, amen. of mercy over me and guard my heart with true humility no shadow of the darkness pressing in only the holy overshadowing underneath your wings overshadowing God. 